Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are enjoying your Friday. Hope you guys are flowing right into your weekend, ready um, for some self-care and for some personal development and getting closer to God. With that being said, for those joining me for the very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzy, also known as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who's been rocking me, whether you've been a subscriber for 14 years, a listener for 14 years, or 14 minutes and 14 seconds ago, I want to say thank you so much for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray it continues to be treasured. And for those who's joining me for the very first time, this is just a live Q&A. I utilize my exegetical ability, uh, my experiences, and just different things um, to be able to help you better understand and make sense of your life. So if you like, man, I missed the live, but I want my questions answered by him. Make sure you hit subscribe and hit the post notification bell so that you'll know when I go live and all that good stuff. But as everyone is getting uh, uh, live or go, uh, joining me live and getting their questions typed out, let me let you guys know about some things I got going on, like my latest book, Facts Over Feelings, How to Process Your Feelings to Find the Facts Behind Them so that you can get back to fulfilling your purpose. It's a great book. I believe will help you overcome any type of frustrations, feelings, so that you can get back to feeling your purpose. And so that's a great book there. If you're looking for a resource to help you become whole so that you can hold things properly, here is another great book. It's a great journal to help you do so. It's actually part two um, to this book, The Purpose of Singleness. Um, it's a great, this book is a great resource for you to learn and understand the purpose of singleness and how to maximize it. Also, if you're looking for a great resource as far as for dating, to learn how to date God, date yourself and become dateable so that you can date the love of your life forever. And it's a great resource also for dating couples, married couples, just to make sure that you're on the right page so that you guys can see and ask questions to either end the wrong relationship or extend the right one. If you're looking for a resource to help you process and how to discern what's in front of you to see if it's a counterfeit or counterpart, here's a great book here. Also, we got a book on soul ties called The Purpose of Freedom. Um, Whom the Sun Sets Free is free indeed. And if you want to learn more about how to untie soul ties and uproot strongholds, a great resource here. Also, if you're looking for a good children's book for young people to help them really begin to find their art form, great book there. And if you're looking for a resource on spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God and want to better understand what each armor means and how to utilize it, Here's another great resource here. We also have T-shirts and uh, in, uh, other ways for you to support. You can do all of that on my website, IamUnplugged.com. All right, let's see what we got in the building. Jazz, what's going on, family? Hope you're well. Lilo27, what's going on? Hope you're well. Aline Collins, hey, hope you're well. Here for the golden nuggets. God gets the, God gets the glory for every gold nugget I give out. And I pray it's a blessing to all of you all. Uh, Lamar, I think I said your name right. Who's going to the NBA Finals, Coach? Man, I'm thinking Golden State. I think Golden State because I think, you know, they have more players that I believe are, are, are familiar with this season. So I think they're going to the Finals. And after the Heat got blown out by the Celtics, man, I was going for the Heat. But we'll see. We'll see. So it takes me about a couple of games to determine. But I think it's going to be – Golden State in the Miami Heat um, in the finals. That's what I'm guessing. So we'll see. Christina says, hey, coach, just wondering if you're still doing. I sure am. Listen, everyone, if you need coaching sessions, I keep forgetting about that flyer. 
If you need one-on-one coaching and you're like, hey, I need help with my relationships, my spiritual development, how to maximize my singleness, how to discover, develop, and distribute my purpose, and how to market and branding brand my company or business or ministry, make sure you hit me up now. Go ahead and get your emails in now. I have about uh, uh, one and a half weeks left of school. And the summer would be wide open for me to coach you. So if you need coaching, go ahead and let me know what you what your best budget is, and we'll customize a coaching session for you. So make sure you check it out on my website, imunplug.com. All right. <clears throat> Let's see what we got here. PTL says, hey, coach, God recently submerged me in a good community, but it's unrelatable. I feel my heart doesn't genuinely desire being with these people or hanging out. Have you been through this before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's anytime you're in a new community, it can be some conflict there, especially if you're an introvert, especially because it's hard for certain personalities to trust. It takes a longer time for some people to immerse themselves. And, and the good thing is, is that usually when those, when individuals invest in their own personal issue of God, he will then give you the supernatural ability to step outside of your unique personality to be able to engage. And if they're not relatable at the moment, give them some time, especially if God sent you there. But I've definitely been through that before. Uh, you know, even at my church now, I'm not I'm not uh, um, completely immersed in, in fellowship groups and stuff like that. But but I am available. I am a great resource to the community. But but the where where my life is right now. It's, it's I'm not available to to be so immersed where, you know, we're uh, always hanging out and stuff like that. And so just give it time and also just continue to check your heart. And and, and, and it could just be or you have to ask yourself is the reason why I am why I am not genuinely connected to this community is something uh, deep inside of me that's fearful. Then you have to deal with that fear, my friend. Hope to help. Jazz says we're living in a time where the world wants to target the younger generation. How can we raise our kids to not live by the word world? Uh, uh, let me see that again. Living in a, we're living in a time where the world wants to target the younger generation. How can we raise our kids to not live by the world and help raise them to be mentally healthy? Great question. Well, basically, I'm, I'm immersed, in other words, using that word again, in, in, in the lives of young people. And one thing that I realized is that the best way to get young people to follow God is for them to see you follow God. See, kids go where there's fun. Kids like to follow where there's fruit. Kids love to follow where there's genuineness, right? And when people begin to see and observe your walk with God, your love for God, and the byproduct of that, and the benefits of that, and the, the likeness that comes with that, and the likeness to God that comes with that, then, then kids will follow. But kids will not follow you if they don't first feel that you love them. There's three Bs. If you want to change the behavior of anyone, you first have to make people feel like they belong. So in order to make people feel like they belong, there has to be a judgment-free zone. There has to be a grace about you. There has to be uh, uh, the removal of one's being to accurately be able to pull out the spec. There has to be a, such a supernatural love about you with boundaries, of course, where, where, where young people can feel that I belong there. For multiple generations, the church has been structured and designed to some degree um, to, to be super holy, holier than they could, they could possibly be without the holiness of God. What I mean, self-righteous. And when you when a lot of uh, churches is shining against 
um, culture in a way where it makes the young young individuals like they're attacked, they're going to retract. They're going to retreat, right? And so you have to, that doesn't mean we compromise. It doesn't mean we don't preach the gospel in its full, in its full capacity with balance. It just means we have to first love. Once you have a person feel like they belong, young people feel like they belong and they feel like they're loved and safe, heard, and cared for, then you can affect the way they believe. Then you can really get into the belief structure, letting them know with, with facts, not just love and not just, just, just going through the motions, but giving them systematic theology where they're able to pr uh, process it accurately. Then you can help them uh, fundamentally develop their beliefs. The reason why kids and young people love to be around me is because I don't just tell them uh, why you, I don't tell them what they shouldn't do. I explain why they shouldn't. I make it make sense. I make it make sense. I just don't tell kids, man, I wouldn't do that if I was you. No, when they ask me questions, they have to have a free space, a place for them to say, you know what? Why is this wrong? I get questions all the time. And for us as adults, it may seem that it's obvious that it's wrong, but the world has uh, really thoroughly communicated to young people why these things are okay to do. And if all we tell them, to, if all we tell them about things is not to do it, their curiosity is going to spike, especially when the other side is making them do that. If you make a kid or make a community of young people feel like they belong, then you can affect the way they believe logically. And if you affect the way they believe, you can ultimately determine how they behave. I hope they help. <clears throat> Listen, the, the, the world is very cunning. Satan has designed a world where they have downgraded the meaning and the validity of a lot of different things making kids believe that it's not so bad. And the church, some churches have done a poor job in explaining why these things are not beneficial, but also they don't have the fruit in their own life. Because one thing about this generation, you can't lie to them. You can't be double to them. You can't be fake with them. And if you can be real, raw, and relatable, you'll definitely be able to reach them. Great question, fam. Uh, Mary, Mary, Mary Marie says, hello. Any advice when you have an idea but can't make it into reality? I have so many business ideas, but I don't know how to make them into an actual business. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's read it again. Any advice when you have an idea but can't make it into reality? I have so many business ideas, but I don't know how to make them into an actual business. Well, the beautiful thing about this current age is that, that you have access to certain uh, uh, streams and and, and resources like social media, like YouTube, et cetera. The beautiful thing about that is, is that you can do all research for free. You can go online and say, okay, uh, what are the top 10 things to do? Or what are the top things to do um, or to know when it comes to starting a business, how to start a business, right? Now, when it comes to the idea, in order to get an idea uh, off the ground, you first got to uh, um, engage or or fellowship with God, you have to have some type of eternal um, pool that, that says, I have to do this. Because if the reason why you want to get an idea off the ground is because solely of finance and stuff like that, but it has no eternal goal, then you won't see it all the way through to the goal, right? And so when, if you want to make something into a reality, you got to see the realness of it, the real need of it. Um, why does God want you to do it, right? And sometimes a lot of people are afraid to get the ideas off the ground because of insecurities, because of fears, because of, of just ignorance, just not knowing how to. And the beautiful thing that you can do to erase that twofold is, is to begin to immerse yourself 
I'm using the word immersed a lot, but to begin to fellowship with God more, creating creative sessions with God. That's what I do all the time. I have so many ideas. I've got so many ideas on the shelves, metaphorically, that is that, that it, because it's birthed out of my creative session with God. Secondly, you have a streams of, 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 of re access social media wise where you can actually learn how to start a business. Now, the goal is, is to not just be so caught up on being inspired, but to be directed. And the only way you can be directed is from a developing relationship with God where he's able to tell you, this is the business I want you to start now. This is what I want you to do right now. And then you go for it. So for instance, if you have an idea, a business idea for whatever product, then you begin to look at the marketplace. Is this product available anywhere? Now, number two, even though that product may be available, how can you add your own twist to it? The beautiful thing about with God is that God will always give you a unique way to provide a service that will make uh, things serve you financially and, 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 and create uh, a residual income that can also produce residual impact. And so the number one thing is, is don't be afraid. Uh, um, see why, see why God wants you to create it. D determine an eternal goal, an eternal why, why you must do it so that no matter how tough life gets, you'll endure through it. And then go after it. And so the, the practical things about that is based upon the product that you want to develop, based upon the business you want to develop. And you can just simply go to Google and type out how to start X, Y, and Z business. And then you will have a lot of free resources that will teach you how to do it and, you, and, and, and how to go through the different trials with it. I hope that helped. Hope that inspired you. Hope that answered your question. <clears throat> Leo 27 says, blessings from God versus blessings from people, especially elderly. In my culture, there is a big emphasis on blessing, especially from elders. Um, yeah, um, the word of God said the blessings of the Lord as no sorrow. God will never give you anything that's going to bring you sorrow. Right. And so when people bless you, now God does bless you through people because most blessings are delivered by hands. Right. They're delivered by people. And so but when it comes down to manipulative blessings, you got to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to allow that to be in my life. Some people bless you to control you. They give to you to control you. And you have to get to a place where you begin to be so content in God, trusting that he has what's best for you so that you can rest, even though people may try to bless. Because some people bless to control. And sometimes cultures have where the elders try to bless and they'll use it in a manipulative way to be able to say, well, if you want this to keep continuing or, or you know, I gave you this. And then all of a sudden it has some type of mental and psychological weight on you to do what they want you to do. Right. But the blessings of God comes with no strings attached. The blessings of God comes with no sorrow. Anytime there's strings attached to the blessing, I don't trust it. I only trust blessings that are freely given to me without any question, without any payback, without any expectation. Those are true blessings from God. Right. And also you have to understand what a real blessing is because the devil blesses as well. The devil loves to bless. And, and you have to be at such a place of rest where you're able to discern to ensure if this is God's best for you. Great question. Hope to help. Jamilia says, Josh, I, I may lose my job on Monday. Should I start my cooking business? I'm tired of working corporate jobs. Now, you have to think about this, Jamilia, because what you don't want to do 
is get into an unrealistic uh, reality or unrealistic fantasy of believing that if you start a cooking business day, it's going to provide the same amount of revenue stream um, that a job will provide. Now, the leverage that you may have is that if you're living with a family member or you're able to be in a situation where that individual is giving you six months, eight months to a year to really get that business off the ground, then by, by all means do that. But never allow the frustration of a current job keep you from 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 uh uh working and what i mean by that is is that starting a business is a lot of work starting a business have to be has to be realistic because when you start a business start a ministry you can't have the false expectation thinking that you're going to blow up the next night you got to make sure you sustain yourself with the consistent revenue stream that's why your eight to five is supposed to fund your six to ten and your six to ten is eventually going to be the thing used to to get you out of your nine to five Right. And then you'll be working at 66 to 77, but you in your dream job. So you got to make sure that you continue to sustain a job that can then fund the cooking business, because what you don't want to do is start something and don't have the fuel for that thing to keep going. Jobs and stuff like that, when you change and shift your perspective about the job, gives you the mindset of saying, I can endure these frustrations because I'm forward thinking, I'm forecasting, I'm able to say, I can stick it through this job, especially if God has me here, to fund the thing that, that I want to do, right? So yes, you may be tired of working corporate jobs, but you also have to say, okay, if I truly want to have a cooking business that thrives and that's successful, I have to be practical. I got to make sure I have a, a, a revenue stream that I give hours to, that gives money back to me, that I can use and distribute into my cooking business and grow it until that thing can pay six months to a year of your living expense. Then that's when it's safe to leave a job. When you're when you're when your dream job or when your ideas and dreams and goals and business and ministry is is has made you enough money in one month or one one quarter is able to pay you pay your full expenses for six months to a year, then by all means leave. Right. So that's the that's what I want to make sure I help you with that. PTL says I, I can't lie. If getting older makes me not desire to hang out, but also the church I go to is amazing. Great people teaching just don't relate to want to connect. Listen, and that's okay. You don't have to do, you don't have to always hang out with the church folk. You don't have to always hang out when everybody wants to hang out. So that's that's nothing wrong with that. Jazz says, what are some signs a man isn't walking in his purpose? <clears throat> Excuse me. What are some signs a man is not working, walking in his purpose? Number one sign that a man is not walking in his purpose is when he's selfish. When a man is selfish. Um, the thing about a man, the Bible says leave and cleave for a man. A man leaves his home and cleave to his wife. There's something about cleaving. Um, there's something about sacrificing. Uh, um, you cannot be selfish and be in purpose. You cannot be about yourself and be in purpose. And a man has to be able to have a foresight uh, and, and, a, and a sight of sacrifice where they're able to say, okay, I can't. That's why if you want to be selfish as a man, stay alone. Because once you become a husband, your life is cut in half. Once you have children, that time of halftime is cut in half. And you got to have a sacrificial mindset. You got to have a foresight mindset, generational wealth mindset, my kids, kids, kids mindset, generation to generations mindset, so that you will eliminate self so that your selflessness can support your relationship. So the number one sign or one sign of a man walking, not walking in his purpose is when he is selfish. Number two, his, his, his relationship with God is not intimate. 
The relationship with God is not intimate. A number one sign, because how can you walk in purpose if your relationship with God is not intimate, if you and God are not close, if you and God are not fellowship, if you and God are not on friendship level, if you and God are not in father-son relationship, then, then you're not going to be able to walk in purpose because when a man is not intimate with God, he cannot be a good decision maker for his family. See, a man's purpose has to be beyond ambitious pursuits. A man's purpose has to be eternal. A man's purpose has to be generational. A man's purpose has to be into such a degree where he, his whole mindset is ensuring his grand, his kids, kids, great grandkids, kids is set up. See, one thing about the Ezzy name, my goal is to make sure that everyone who is birthed through me or, and my wife treasures that last name. Because I want my last name to be so valuable that no matter where I go, if they hear the name Ezzy, my kids have favor. Oh, you're Ezzy? You're Joshua Ezzy's son? You're Joshua Ezzy's daughter? Oh, you're Joshua Ezzy's wife? And the favor of God is on those lives who are intimately involved with him. So when a man is not intimate with God, is not engaged in God, is not involved in the things of God, he is not going to be able to walk in purpose. Another sign that a that a, a man is not um, walking in purpose, he doesn't have a good grip of himself. He doesn't have a good grip. And what I mean by that is it's hard to walk in purpose when things have a grip of you. When things got you, when things got you um, by the throat, and you're not able to to full throttle go out the things of God. It's not it's not gonna be it's gonna be very hard for you to walk in your purpose. And one thing I want to say about purpose is about ambitions that a lot of people, a lot of young men, are so ambitious that they'll run their family over for people that's not in a family. I had to check myself because my ministry had a grip of me. My ministry had gotten me at one point, and I was setting myself up to be a failure as a husband because of what grabbed me, what had a grip of me. And it kept me from walking in my holistic purpose. The purpose of a man is not just provision. It's also to be a priest. It's also to be a provider. It's also to be a, a pastor. It's also to be so many other things to ensure that everything under his tutelage, everything up under his, his jurisdiction is protected. So purpose cannot be about how big my ministry can get, how big my business can get. It's got to be about how happy and how whole and how well my family is because if the family's not good and my fellowship with God is not good and I have other things grabbing at me and pulling me away, I can't walk in full holistic purpose. Another sign that a man is not walking in his purpose is when he can't say no and have deep needs. When a man can't say no, that man can't go. And what I mean by it, you got to be able to tell that girl no, that extra woman no, that 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 opportunity no, that plate no, whatever. You got to be able to say no because in order for you to fulfill your purpose, in order for you to understand and and be able to operate under God's yes to receive his best, you got to say no to the rest. You got to be able to say no. Another another sign that a man is not walking or can't walk in his purpose is when he have deep needs. See, the only thing a man needs in this world is God. Everything else should be a want. Because even if you need water, even if you need food, that turns into perversion. The only thing I need is God because that's my source. Yes, of course, we need water. Yes, of course, we need food. But what I'm saying is my ultimate capital in need 
is God. And what I mean by that is when, when all I need is God, when there's a water shortage and a food shortage, I won't become a cannibalist, a, a cannibal. I won't come out there and rob people for their water. I will sit back and trust that all I need is you, God, and you will provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. And so when a man has deep needs, deep longings, he end up falling into perversion and not flowing into purpose. So number one sign that a person, a young man, a man is not walking in purpose is when they are selfish. Number two, their intimation of God is not strong. Number three, G, um, uh, something else got a grip on them. And they can't say no and they have deep needs. And another reason a man cannot walk in purpose, he can't discern seasons. He can't discern seasons. You got to be able to know the seasons between going hard and resting hard. Knowing seasons, because purpose is too huge, man. And, and if you can't say no, if you are selfish, if your relationship with God is not thriving in an intimate way, if things still have a grip on you and you can't say no and you can't say no, and you have deep needs and you can't be able to tell the signs of the times and the season that you're current in, it's going to be very hard um, to walk in purpose. And one S that I want to make sure I end with, the greatest position a man will ever hold, the greatest title a man will ever have is son. If you don't understand that you're a son of God, you will not be a great husband of God. You won't be a great father of God. You won't be a great man of God. In order to be an amazing man of God, in order to be a great husband of God, in order to be a great father of God, in order to be a great businessman of God, no matter what title you hold, if you don't understand sonship, all these other relationships will crash. You have to be able to be that young son to God, that that son of God that says, hey, God, I trust you. Lead me. Guide me. I'll, I'll lead uh, whatever you need me to do. I'll do. And if you can't be led by the spirit of God, if you can't be led as a son of God, you're not going to be able to fulfill the purposes of God. Hope that I've had a labor on that because, you know, I, I, a lot of those topics are not really asked as much as far as when it comes to men. Hope that helped. Jody Real says, how does God view the roles of husband and wife in a Christian marriage? Great question. Well, the word of God is very clear. Uh, men sacrifice, women submit. And submission is not a negative word. It has been negative. It has been made negative because of the world's interpretation of it and the poor uh, um, uh, expressions of it. Or, or uh, you know what I'm trying to say, right? And so God views those roles significantly because they are, they are the bedrock of society. The man, the, the foundation of the man is God. The foundation of our marriage is man. The foundation of the family is the husband and the wife, the mother and the father. The foundation of society is the family. The foundation of society, that's what I'm saying, is the family. And so if the family is messed up because the man is messed up, then, then we won't be able to have the safe, safe environment for kids to dwell. So God views the husband role very seriously. Because the husband sets the tone. The husband, if, if the husband is sacrificial, if the husband is kind, if the husband is gentle, if the husband is sure, if the husband is connected to God, if the husband walks with God, the wife's heart is settled. And then she's actually able to nurture versus, versus being a vulture. She's able to nurture. She's able to care. She's able to blossom as a woman because the man is handling his business. See, when a husband handles his, the wife will handle the husband well. We're talking about good husband, good wife, ready husband, ready wife, mature husband, mature wife. 
So it's the, the husband has a full responsibility to set the tone, right? And so the husband has to understand that no matter if he saw a great representation of the role of a husband, he has to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, allow his relationship with God to be the steering for him, right? So a Christian marriage is a husband and a wife that are both submitted to God and allowing God to be their ultimate source, not the other. But his views on, on a husband and wife are all throughout scripture. And a man who sacrifices for his wife will easily see submission birthed out of the wife because a wife can trust the one that she's submitting to. It's hard for a woman to submit to a man who is not as living sacrifice before God. In order for a man to properly sacrifice to a woman, he has to be a living sacrifice to God. Because when he's a living sacrifice, he will make good decisions. He won't allow his flesh to, to thrive. He will be he will be attentive and alert to how he can serve his wife. He won't come home expecting a meal. He'll come home and join to make the meal. He won't come home expecting the wife to do everything for him. No matter how long the day was, he jumps in and helps the wife because he knows the job ain't over. That he just actually just clocked in. His real job is his home, not what he does outside the home. And when that becomes the culture of the marriage, then the wife has a peaceful, settled soul and spirit to be able to also be utilized by the Holy Spirit to serve the man and the needs that he has. But if they're not submitted to Christ, they won't be able to have that abundance of life living in his own peculiar uh, ways in the different personalities of the husband and wife. Hope they help. Great question, y'all. Uh, let's see. Edna says, hey, coach, first time joining the live, but tune in to every episode of Apple Podcast. Truly help me in my walk with God. Man, that's so, God gets the glory, man. When I Every time I hear y'all stories and I hear how God has been blessing you all through these videos, man, it really, it really, uh, man, it, it really uh, humble. It's humbling that God will utilize that because so many people listen in different ways. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify. We have so many listeners and, and not just people that watch. And, and those who's listening right now, driving to work, listening right now with your family, listening right now with your sons and daughters, listening. However you listen. Thank you so much for listening. I pray um, this continues to be a blessing to you. Uh, when can I get that coach session too, bro? I got you, fam. This summer. Give me about two more weeks and we'll get that cranked up, Lord willing. Uh, please, I don't want to pronounce your name wrong, fam, but let's get to your question. Hey, coach, I'm about to break my sobriety from smoking. Any words of encouragement? I know grace abounds and this will be this will be medical. Um, well, first off, you have to understand that uh you have to have a, a strong reason or why for you to say bye to whatever it is that is becoming addiction, right? The Bible says, shall we continue with sin that grace abounds? The word of God says, God forbid, right? And now I think you said this is medical. Uh, is that medical? Is that the, I think you're trying to say medical. Now, I, listen, um, as far as smoking weed, I don't, as far as the medical aspects of it, not well versed in that. But at the same time, you got to make sure that you have a strong why. Why you should say bye is an important thing that you must do. Why must I say bye to whatever thing that helps me get by other than God, other than my walk with him, other than my mind being renewed to him so I can have the right perspectives on how I should be able to maneuver any type of addictions. And you also got to be able to see what is the potential consequences of engaging in things of that nature, right? 
And so to encourage you, you got to be able to say, okay, why must this die in me? Why must I say bye to this? Who needs me to be sober? Who needs for me to be mentally stable? Who needs for me to? And even if you don't have nobody, you feel that needs that from you. God needs that from you. God, not in the need because God don't need anything. God wants that from you because if you, if, if you utilize these things to help you become sober, how can you be sober minded to be able to be led beyond something that the devil's trying to trying to feed to you to cause you to potentially be distracted? So my encouragement to you is, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit that you're able. So anytime that you feel like a, a potentially fall into an addiction or whatever, you got to say, okay, God, I need you. His omnipresence is there to be a present help in a time of trouble. The thing is, we utilize Siri more than we utilize the Holy Spirit. We utilize Amazon Echo to, instead of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us that's echoing in our souls. And that's the reason why we're not whole. And bold enough not to fold under pressure. So you don't want to misuse God's grace for whatever it is that you're doing. You got to be able to say his grace is there for me to have space to grow so I can run this race at a good pace. Hope to help. Good word. Be discerning. You got to be discerning. Hey, uh, Daisy, Miss Blair, hope you're well. Dominique Corner says, hey, coach, if I want to open up a nonprofit for women, should I? I feel like God put it in my spirit, but I'm not sure. How do I know this? How I know this is what God wants me to do. How to walk by faith. I'm volunteering. Great. That's where you start. Volunteer. See if they have a part time job. Because um, the big thing about purpose is that God will create environments for you to learn uh, like almost a paid internship. Um, a, a lot of my jobs that I've had uh, in the span of my life were all training grounds for what I'm doing now. And even what I'm doing now is training ground for what he wants me to do later. So the best way to become familiar with the thing that you feel God has placed on your heart to do is to volunteer in a place where that's operating so that you can learn how to operate it when it's your turn. And in the meantime, begin to learn about mission and vision statements, begin to learn about the needs of the women that you want to serve, then begin to think about the services that you want to provide the women that you want to serve. And then as you begin to fellowship with God and volunteering, there will be confidence and faith. Faith in God builds with fellowship with him, but faith in yourself builds in you when you begin to see the fruit of your fellowship with God and your fellowship with your with the very arena that you want to be knowledgeable of. And so how to walk by faith or how to know this is what God wants you to do. Keep walking in that direction. And the thing about God is don't worry about the destination. Just enjoy the drive. Don't worry about the destination. Sometimes we get so caught up on uh, are we there yet versus uh, 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 who we're with, who we're with. Right. My mindset with God is not to be like uh, how much long. How much longer do we have, God, before we get X, Y, and Z? My thing is however long, God, because I'm just enjoying you. The more you begin to see um, God's presence in every moment, you'll begin to enjoy him. And then it will naturally begin to build your faith. And then you'll become more sensitive to be able to see what God is showing you and how he uniquely wants you to reach young women. And so if you're not sure, just continue to do, just continue to volunteer. And over time, you will understand what God wants you to do. But don't allow the pressures of starting. Don't, let me tell you something. Don't worry about when, where, and how. Just focus on who and what. 
in the three most pressuring things that people put on themselves unnecessarily when it comes to God is when, where, and how. That is God's responsibility. When it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it comes to dating or whatever it is in life, when it comes to purpose, ministry, business, whatever. When, where, and how is too much pressure on the human when, when they are in partnership with God. We are in partnership. That's the part he does. It's the when, where, and how. The thing that we're supposed to worry about is who he is to us, who I am to myself, and what does he want me to do right now? That's all I concern myself with. I don't worry about when, where, or how X, Y, Z is going to be happening. I focus on who God is to me, who I am to myself, who I am to my wife, who I am to the people whose lives I'm in right now, and I focus on what he told me to do last. And the rest will pass. And things you begin to see things happen more fast for you because, because then you begin to say, okay, wow, this is why God has me here. Now, how to walk by faith, walking by faith is walking by faith. You don't have to run. Just walk with him, fellowship with him. And over time, your faith will develop. Hey, what's going on? Stretch marks the spot. Hope you're well. Love this question and the response. God gets the glory, fam. Amen. Edna says, did I already do it? This is the same question, Edna? Oh, maybe not. Edna says, hey, coach, I was wondering how do you know your calling? I've been having similar dreams for the past year while I'm always praying against a demonic spirit or sensing that something is demonic. Uh, okay, knowing your calling. The only way you can know your calling is when you answer God's call. And what I mean by that, the calling to you to go deeper in him. In order to understand your calling from him, you got to be called deeper into him. You got to you gotta uh, answer the call of getting to know him. Because sometimes we focus so much on what we want to do for God because we want to get paid like that versus the price that has to be paid for me to actually be paid like that. And that means dying to myself, getting closer to God, being called in deeper into him so that you can be able to understand the mysteries and the, the revelations that he has for you. Right. And so to, in order to know your calling, you have to get to know the one that's calling you. And the only way you get to know the one that's calling you, you got to decide to get closer. In order to get close to God, you got to start cutting off things that's keeping you from getting close to him. And in order to get close to him, you got to be willing to understand his character and understand why he is, why he structures certain things in a specific way. So that when you do your calling, you actually have the character of God to do so. Now, when it comes to the demonic things, uh, maybe you have a gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe that's something that the Holy Spirit has the uh, gift of um, um, revelation gifts in you. I have revelation gifts in me, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and uh, discerning of spirits that's operative in my life. Uh, sometimes the gift of faith is operative. A lot of different gifts are operative in my life, right? Uh, but if you begin to see that you're sensing and discerning and all these de different de demonic spirits, it could just be that from the from the first with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit in you, those are certain gifts that are tailored to you that the Holy Spirit is using through you. And so if you're talking about is my calling, how's my calling, and I'm sensing all this spiritual stuff, it could just be that God is setting you up um, to utilize you to be a gift in, in the gift of the revelational gifts, the re revelation gifts, where um, you're able to have word of knowledge, word of wisdom, or the gift of discerning of spirits. And as you begin to grow in the fruits of the spirits, you will be a great steward of the gifts of the spirits, right? And so maybe that's the area that God is leading you towards, because I've been sensing demons since I was a kid. And I knew that that gift was strong. Um, and, and so that's just that's just uh, what it is. I hope that answered your question. Thank you so much for watching from the Philippines. Also, you said, 
I also want to leave my church, even though I haven't gone there regularly in two years, because I feel like I am not growing there spiritually. I've been going to another church where I am learning uh, much more and growing spiritually, but I haven't officially left because I felt like I haven't gotten a confirmation. I feel frustrated because I feel hopeless spiritualized. Well, sometimes God has you in the church to learn something um, in regards to what not to learn something new, but to learn what not to do. Because if he if he's giving you revelational gift, revelation gifts and you feel like you have a calling on your life, some churches you are in just to learn for what you shouldn't do. Right. And so sometimes. See, the thing about spiritual growth, your spiritual growth is not the responsibility of your church. It's the responsibility of your own personal with God. See, if spiritual growth is based upon the church, then all of a sudden they set you up to be church hurt and then potentially leave the church hurt. Right. And, and then cause you to leave Christ, right? So the goal about spiritual growth has to be at home. The best meals and sometimes the healthiest meals are made at home. The church should not be your spiritual source. It should be your spiritual resource for spiritual growth. Sp uh, the, like gyms and, and hospitals and gas stations and stuff like that. Those are all resources. But nobody spends the night at a gas station. Nobody spends the night at a gym. You see what I'm saying? People don't spend the, uh, all most of their days of the year in a hospital, right? You stay at home. So if, if your church is where is where you're the most fed, you're going to end up probably more spiritually dead than spiritually alive because you're not eating healthier meals at home. And how do you know that you're, the food that you're eating is organic in the church if you don't if you don't know the organic uh, substances of the scriptures that you're reading? Or being told, right? So, so what I mean by that is, if God wants you to stay, you stay. And and in the meantime, you eat well at home, and 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 create a pattern, a practice where you constantly learn, and 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 eat well at home, so that when God does give you new church home, you won't have this mindset of, well, I'm not being fed here. Sometimes God has you in situations to feed here versus being fed here. And because God is saying, I want you to serve here or learn here. Don't get me wrong. The community, the church community is there to help you grow. But you say you haven't got confirmation yet. So if you haven't got confirmation to leave, then you stay there until God tells you to move. Because maybe God has you there for a sister or a brother, has you there to be an encouragement to whoever. Because maybe you were sent to that church to have an assignment. And then when you release that, then you can ingratiate yourself in a new community and serve that community for what you learned from the previous community. But ultimately, the whole point of my answer to this question is to make sure, is to make sure you understand that home-cooked spiritual meals are the best meals because it helps you eat well when you're out. So when you're at a church, you'll be able to chew the meat, spit out the bones, and, and not get so caught up in, in pride, uh, uh, ze zealousness or, or, or hypersensitive, uh, hyper elevated emotions where you just serve the community, um, zealously, ignorantly, and then end up getting hurt eventually. And then your hurt calls you to, it's a lot of different things because you're dealing with people anywhere. There's people, there's going to be pain and problems. But if you cook, if you eat well at home, then you will be able to navigate the different complexities of, of a church community of flawed, imperfect people serving a perfect God. Hope to help. Marina says, how to not have anxiety about people in your past reaching out to you? God has to be a closure, a sure close. 
That's why when I, I always get an analogy when I talk about closure is that the reason why God closed the ark because Noah might have been too nice. Because Noah would have heard the cries of the people and probably would open the door and let two or three people on. And the two or three people in his past, the same people that were talking about him, about how this boat is pointless and it won't last, would be the same people that would destroy, probably ate one of the goats. We probably wouldn't have goats today because somebody in there would have ate one of the goats, probably ate one of the, one of the cows. And then we wouldn't have had no beef. You know what I'm saying? And beef won't be what's for dinner. Right. And so but God closed the door because he knows we can be too nice. And so. Sometimes we 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 get we build anxiety because we haven't allowed God to be our closure. Sometimes closure comes and God doesn't really make it clear why he closed it. You just have to trust that he closed it, right? Now, how to not have anxiety? The Bible says be anxious for nothing. In order to be anxious for nothing, you have to be anchored into someone. Your anchoring, your anchor in God will help you not to be anxious because you know that's a command. He's he can make that command because he's the man. He, he says, I'm the man with the plan. Therefore, I give you the command for you never to be anxious because if you're anxious about anything, then you must don't trust my capabilities, right? And so he says, be anxious for nothing because I am everything. I am your sustaining uh, uh, source, right? It says, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication. So when you pray, he said, come talk to me. If you become anxious because the command is strong enough to make you not anxious, come to me then. After you come to me with prayer and petition, you just can't come just for praying and petition. You got to come with thanksgiving because the only way you can balance out the anxieties of life and the anxiousness of your prayers is with thanksgiving because thanksgiving puts you in the right frame of mind. It gives you the right perspective because now you're thankful. Now you begin to say, you know what, God, you have been good. I can get over this. I can grow from this. Okay, I can I can I can get with this because thanksgiving puts you in the perspective that God is faithful. And his faithfulness factually helps you overcome the feelings and frustrations of whatever is making you anxious. Then the Bible says, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. The good thing about God, he says, make your request known to me. Get it out of your system. Vent, vent, vent. And then he says, uh, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God. The peace of God is God's confirmation email letting you know he heard. Now, the difference between the, 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 um, the Almighty and Amazon is that Amazon Prime guarantees you in a couple of days. God says, I don't give you, my confirmation email comes with no tracking number because I want you to track me. Because if you track me and allow me to subtract out of you the things that's causing you to be how you are, then you will trust my timing and you will trust my, my, my reasoning. So when it comes to people of your past reaching out, you got to get a sheet of paper right now and write every person of your past that you have anxiety about. Because anxiety is a feeling. Now we got to find the facts. Write down every person that you have a anxious feelings about. Write down why they should stay in your past. Why are they not in your present? I want you to write down all the reasons why that relationship, that friendship had to end. When you write those different things out, now you begin to see the facts. Save that on your phone. Put that piece of paper in your purse. So whenever you have anxiety about the person, you can pull out the reason why that season had to end. And if they reach out to you and your past reaching out to you, then you got to be able to anchor yourself in God and build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying the Holy Ghost, spending time with the Holy Ghost so that when if they do reach out to you, you will have a level of spiritual solidness about you where you will be able to be so content in God and so forth with him that you're no longer anxious about whether or not they want to be in your life. Hope that. I know I was all the place with that, but I hope that. All right. God's servant says, what's up, coach? How do you forgive and not hold grudges? Great question. 
The only way the human being can forgive is when they understand what they've been forgiven from. The only way that I can able to truly forgive is to realize my sins to God. The reason why we don't forgive is because we compare sin, our sin to someone's sin. We compare our sins to someone versus their sins to us. And then we justify why we shouldn't forgive versus our forgiveness should not be based upon um, horizontal comparisons. It should be based upon vertical comparisons. Because when I compare my sins and what it caused the Christ to go through on the cross, then it, it compels me transformationally, makes me want to forgive because I begin to compare my sins vertically. And if he can forgive me of my sins that I have done towards him, towards myself and towards others, then horizontal forgiveness is actually a, 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 a sure thing that I can do. And the thing is, if you hold grudges, you're holding back your grind. Because when you hold people inside of you, now you hurt yourself. Another way that you can forgive is realizing forgiveness is a blessing to you. The reason why most people for, don't forgive is because they don't want the other people to let be let off the hook. They want those people to hurt. They want to hurt those individuals. They want those people uh, 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 to be in their hands of vengeance. But forgiveness is giving you, giving you, giving you the opportunity to go forward, forgive, giving you the opportunity to go forward. You got to be like God and say, Father, I forgive them for they know not what they do. And you got to begin to move on because when you hold grudges, you're holding back your grind. You're holding back the glory of God to be magnified in time. You, you're holding back more by holding grudges. And the word of God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God has the right amount of payment to, 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 to help you out. And even God talks about he'll make your enemies your footstool. He'll, he'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. And you hurt yourself when you hold grudges. You hurt yourself when you don't forgive. Forgiveness is, is for you. So how do you forgive? Compare your sins vertically. Allow the humility of that and the joy of that. Hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the grace that comes with that compel you to forgive horizontally. And then actually look at the person. I want you to get a sheet of paper and write down the person that you are having a hard time to forgive. And I want you to write down the sins they did towards you, right? And I want you to begin to reflect on how did those sins, even though they was done against me, how can I utilize those sins against me to help me win beyond me? So how, what did they do to me that could have developed better character in me? That could have developed a better sense of understanding in me? Because sometimes the, 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 the people that hurt us the most provides the best lessons. So how can we turn this lesson into a blessing and not stressing and, and pressing, hoping that they get pressed up on <laughs> and, and get hurt? It's like, you know what? Let me write their name down. Let me write down what they did to me. And what can I learn from what they did to me? How can I look at, because what did they do to the Christ? If they didn't do that to the Christ, will we have eternal life? So I'm glad they hurt Jesus. I'm glad, uh, you know, my sins put them on the cross because now I have freedom. So some of the, the sins that has been done against you, are some of the things that will actually help build the character, help you learn and strengthen that muscle of forgiveness because this ain't going to be the last time someone's going to offend you or hurt you. What the hell? Got time for maybe one or two more? Oh, my wife laughing. My wife in the building. My wife says, thank you. I don't know she's talking about me or y'all talking to my wife down there. Let's see. I'm going to scroll back up. 
What up, kid? What up? What up, girl? Let me scroll up. Let's see. Ah, oh, man, I lost my place. Watching from the Philippines. What's up, Coach? How do you forgive me? There we go. Jason, I need to start bringing a pen and notepad when you go. <laughs> I know, man. I just, I just let the Holy Spirit speak through, man, and it'd be a lot. <laughs> Let's see. Um, let me read you. Do you think David in the Bible was a bad father? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he did some bad things as a father. Um, but you know, when you look at different covenants, um, you know. It was probably tougher back then because the spirit of God came upon man versus came to live within man. And we have a greater advantage as fathers now because we have the opportunity to have the spirit of God in us to help us not sin uh, from us. So who am I to judge David, man? You know, I, I don't know what the pressures David went through, but as far as the results in the Bible, yeah, he, he made he made some dumb decisions and, and his father. Yeah. So if you look at it from that vantage point, yeah, he did some bad things as a father, but. You know, you know, who knows how it was back then, man. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Jazz says, hey, Coach, do you have a podcast? Yeah, man, you can go to Apple Podcasts. All these videos, all these different things are on. I take the audio and I put them on there. And so if you say, hey, man, I want to listen through some of those messages. I may not be able to watch them on YouTube, but I want to listen to them. You can do that on um. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, I think Google Podcasts, something like that. So er anywhere that you get your podcast from, you just type in Joshua as and I'll pop up. Faith Prayer Lifestyle says, hey, coach, God bless you and your beautiful family. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We appreciate that. Your question is, when a kingdom man asks a woman, what does she bring to the table? What answer is he looking to hear? Great question. Um, things that a man wants to hear from a woman when he is courting her. Uh, number one, um, do you love God more than me? Do you love God more than me? Uh, because I don't want to be your source. One thing that I admire about my wife, that I love about my wife, is that she loves God more than me. That's too much pressure to be her source. A man wants to know, uh, uh, do you have something else that you can connect to that will keep you from disconnecting from me? Because me being plugged into my source, who is God, my own relationship with God, and my wife being plugged into God as her source, then we become the proper faucets to be able to pour water, uh, alkaline, fresh spring water through to help nurture each other the way we can be great resources for each other, right? And so number one thing that a man, a kingdom man is going to ask a woman, is God your source? Because I can't carry the weight. I can't complete you. Because me completing you depletes me. I have to be a resource. I got to be a servant, but I cannot be your source. Another thing that a man brings to the table is what skills do you provide? What skills do you have to offer? What do you bring to the table skill-wise? See, you got to look at yourself as a woman, as a toolbox. What tools can I bring to this tabernacle? I'm just, I'm just getting old school. Now. What tools can I bring to this table? Here we go. What tools can I bring to this table? See, sometimes some women think that I bring my body. No, what do you bring inside the body? Who cares about the wrapper? I want to see the gift inside. Because body parts, body fades, face fades, hair fades. You see, every things fade. But what doesn't fade is the tools and skills that you have inside of you. So a kingdom man says, are you a, are you a breaker or are you a builder? So he wants to say, okay, if you're a builder, let me see your tools. What can you provide? Do you know how to cook? 
and that doesn't mean women's supposed to cook in every marriage, but I'm saying, King, do you have self-sustaining skills? Skills that actually can support the marriage, right? So, like for instance, my wife does all the cooking, but I do all the dishes. There's a lot of different. So, what what kind of skills do you bring to the table? Because listen, every man should know how to cook too. Don't get it twisted. Men and women both need to know how to cook. That's a self-sustaining skill. Because what happens with my wife uh, uh, when the baby comes and there's months going by where she's just like, hey, I got to know how to get my salmon together. That's about three or four meals that I can do pretty well. I can do breakfast really well. I can do salmon and vegetables and, and some quinoa pretty well. I can do spaghetti. I can do a lot of pastas very well. Fellas, get you about three or four meals you can do on a regular and ladies too. So a man is going to ask, number one, is God your number one source? Is God your source? Not number one, but is he your whole source? Number two is what tools do you bring? Because men are builders. Men want to know, can you build something? Are you, do you break a home or do, can you build a home? Because a man provides the sperm. The wife provides the child. The man provides the house. The wife provides the home. Women are maximizers. Women are multipliers. And so a man wants to know that if I if I give you something, can you multiply? So if I give you my idea, if I give you my dreams, can you can you help me multiply this thing? If I give you a child, can we multiply the potential of that child? Whatever I give you, can you multiply? The issue is a lot of women, they divide and they subtract more than they add and they multiply. Number three, another thing that a, a kingdom man is going to ask uh, what a woman brings to the table. Do you bring peace or problems? Do you bring peace or problems? Are you a peaceful woman? Are you a pillow or a rock? Can I lay in your bosom and not feel like I'm going to have a headache? The Bible says it's better for a man to be on a rooftop than in a house with a contentious woman. The Bible says that a contentious woman is like a dripping faucet. That means she's annoying. So he's going to ask, Can you? do you bring peace or do you bring problems? Have you dealt with your problems? Have you dealt with your daddy issues, your mama issues? Have you dealt with X issues? Have you dealt with insecurity issues? A man's not asking for perfection. A kingdom man is asking for preparedness. Are you ready to work? Are you ready to go? So three things a kingdom man's going to ask. What a woman brings to the table. Number one, do she bring what I say? Number one, do you is God your source? Number two, what tools do you have in your tool belt? What can you build? What can you build? Help me build. And number three, do you bring peace? Do you bring peace to the table? Um, those are the three top things that a man is going to ask, uh, hope, or going to ask a woman to bring to the table. Um, the rest is, you know, more tailored to purpose, more tailored to, are you a good financial steward? Uh, um, what do you bring to the table when it comes to uh, raising a family, helping raise a family, uh, and all that kind of stuff? But those are the top three things there. Hemingway says, is it a sin to like to live in solitude? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, now, the extreme of that is wrong. Like the extreme. There has to be a healthy balance, right? There has to be some level of, because it could be part of your personality. So let me tell you about my personality. My wife, when we first got married, she was like, bro. Now she didn't say bro. But she was like, babe. When I come home sometime, you in the room, door closed, blinds closed, in darkness. <laughs> I said, baby, I've been a light for so long. I just want to be in some darkness. If I can't even be in the world's darkness, I'm going to be in some regular darkness because I need to recoup for me. 
my personality gives, gives, gives. A lot of people pull, pull, pull. So I got to go into a dark place where my senses can be come still. So nothing won't trigger me. I can I can allow my mind to rest. And sometimes light can trigger and I just need complete darkness. I need complete solitude so I can be the right dude for my wife and for anybody else in my life. Right. But I cannot live in that dark place every day. I have to come out and talk to my wife because that's not fair to her. And I had to learn that, too. I had to learn to come out of that dark place <laughs> and actually spend time with her and, and allow that time to be like, like, you know, like those uh, blocks, those charging blocks that uh, the new charging, the new charges that charges your phone like extra fast. I have to say, OK, I can't just stay in there for eight hours. I have a spouse. You see what I'm saying? I have to say, OK, God, I'm going to take these two hours, supercharge me <laughs> so I could go back and then not give my wife the rest. But I can still give my wife the best. So is it a sin to live in solitude? Is it a sin to live in the extreme version of solitude where you become no uh, useful tool for God to use? But going into solitude is not a sin. That is true. It isn't a sin, but it isn't healthy as well. So you have to find that balance. It's a it's good for a season. So if you mean solitude, like I just want to be away from people for a couple of weeks, then that's nothing wrong with that. But you can't, but you got to make sure that you don't have no social fears when it comes to being around your peers, etc. Jazz says, Coach, if you receive fame from your ministry, how would you remain humble? Um, if I receive fame, I don't want to be famous, but if I receive fame from my ministry, um, I have a good uh um support system. My wife ain't gonna let that happen. And I've tasted a little taste, not a fame, but I tasted a little taste of success. And I begin to I begin to taste and see that it's not what's best for me. That's what makes me not want to go and do it. But I think what has helped me is number one, my relationship with God and the wife, number two, that God has given me. That's going to help me stay grounded. And number three, the perspective. Uh, uh, my perspective is at the end of the day, I want God to be glorified. And I understand the practical realizations of making sure I keep my heart guarded because I can speak. I could talk about this all day and but oh, yeah, I'm going to be all right. But I have to all make sure I have in practice now self-examination, checking my heart, because if we I do that so often that I feel like if fame do take off, I've, I've made this such a pattern to the point to where I'm not going to allow that to be whatever. And second of all, I probably won't be famous the way I preach, the way I teach, because it's sound doctrine. The Bible says in the last days, people will not be able to endure sound. We're talking about fame, fame. We're not talking about impact, impact. There's some preachers right now that are impacting hundreds of thousands of people, but they're not known by millions. So can I see myself being that kind of preacher where I'm impacting hundreds of thousands of people or so? Yeah, but do I want the world to know my name? No. And so how would I keep myself humble? Knowing that I can't do nothing without God's help. Number two, I fully understand why I shouldn't be caught up in thinking of myself more highly. Number three, I understand the magnitude of my responsibility as a minister. Number three, because the Bible talks about it. Number Next point, L, is because I love God too much. And number three, I'm, my goal is to, is to make sure that everyone with the Ezzy last name is not going to be embarrassed by the one that gave it to him. That's how I'm going to remain humble. Y'all, I've been going for a long time. I better go ahead and go. I love you all. Thank y'all so much for y'all love and support for me and my wife. Uh, uh, man, about 3,000 something uh, likes and comments or so was given. 
towards me and my wife as far as us uh, uh, having a child on the way. So we thank you all so much for your love and support. And um, if you feel led to support what we do, uh, you just want to support the channel, you want to support what I do. If you just want to whatever, you can do that. Support what we do, you can give towards our website, IamUnplugged.com. We appreciate generosity in advance. We'll go ahead and post that uh, link there for those who's watching now, if you feel led to support. Also, we have uh, books like this book called Facts or Feelings. If you want to learn how to uh, process your feelings, to find the facts behind them so that you can get back to fulfilling your role in life. This great book, Facts Over Feelings, my latest book will be a great resource to you. If you're looking for a resource to help you hold things better and you want to learn how to be that whole complete lacking in nothing individual so that you can do something of great magnitude for the glory of God, this book right here will help you. This journal will help you. It's actually a part two, a follow-up book of this book right here, The Purpose of Singleness. This book is more so for singles. This book is pretty much for everyone, but this book, The Purpose of Singleness, is a book that's going to teach you how to uh, understand the purpose of your singleness and how to maximize it and, and utilize it for your glory because your singleness is a gift. It's not a prison sentence. It's a gift um, for the next sentence that God wants to write in your life in the form of marriage, career, or whatever. If you're looking for a book to help you understand how to properly date, uh, because dating doesn't stop when you get married. You got to continue to set dates where you bond. So it's a great book to help you prep for dating, uh, dating God, dating yourself, and become dateable so you can date the love of your life forever. This book has a ton of questions that will either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right one. If you're looking for a book to help you properly discern everything that's in front of you, whether it's a, a job, a, a potential a spouse or whatever opportunity, this book will teach you how God confirms his will in your life, how it helps you develop your discernment, and it will give you practical ways to test everything so that you don't fall into the traps of pests, but you can find yourself following God's best. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, and you want to learn about the purpose of freedom in Christ, this book would be a great resource for you because whom the sun sets free is free indeed and is free in their deeds, right? And so this would be a great resource for you to learn how to untie soul ties, uproot strongholds. Uh, I got a children's book my wife and I created, Asiums. As he says, as for students, I serve a great resource uh, for young for young children, uh, third grade, fourth grade and up, I believe that's the age group. Probably uh, through middle school be a great resource. And my wife and I have great plans with these cartoon characters. So we look forward to bringing it out. If you want to learn about spiritual warfare and how to execute it. Also, you want to learn about the whole armor of God and its functionality and how that works. Here's a great book right here. A great resource. We also have t-shirts on our website as well. And if you want to give and support what we do and you feel led by God's gift and to support um, um, the missions that we have, especially this summer, as well as getting us prepared for next school year and developing different resources. You can do that right now on our website, IamUnplugged.com. And if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, go to my website, IamUnplugged.com forward slash custom-coaching. If you want to have relationship coaching, spiritual development coaching, singleness coaching, learning more about your purpose and branding and marketing needs, I'm here for you. That says fall and winter, but we got summer as well. And so if you need to talk to me, you got a budget, let me know what your budget is and we'll customize a coaching session for you to serve you this summer and beyond. Thank you all so much for joining. I pray y'all was blessed by this. I um, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, thank y'all so much for watching. Um, 
uh humble one says oh i got your new book facts of films can't put it down god gets the glory i'm glad that book is a blessing um to you thank you so much uh for that uh let's see people who allow their children to mean to you can people who allow their children to to be mean to your kids what should i do please hey man you know if the kids are being mean to your kids you know i would go you know to the source you know if it's a school and see what they provide or whatever and then be led by the holy spirit for that should i address or kick the dust off my feet if they're not putting no hands on your kids if they're not if they're being mean and you 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 teach them how to navigate a mean world because it's only going to get meaner uh but if they're putting hands on them then you have to you know have to utilize your resources to make sure that doesn't happen hope they help love y'all y'all be blessed i'll see y'all next time love y'all peace